Hello, and welcome to The Shining Light, where we are shining the light of the gospel and speaking the truth in love, providing strength, and stirring the hearts of our listeners. We are so glad to have you joining us today as you listen to this message from Pastor Tim Cruz. I appreciate that tonight. I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 13. I want you to notice a theme here about a wise son and a foolish son. And so, I want you to think of this, and I want you to consider the end of wisdom, but in particularly the end of folly, foolishness. Those who scoff at the Lord, those who reject the light of truth. Proverbs 13, 1, a wise son heareth his father's instruction, but a scorner heareth not rebuke. A scorner, someone who would take lightly the things of God. They would not respect the things of God. They would not regard the things of God. They're like nothing to them. Things eternal do not have any importance, significance, or value in their thinking. And so a scorner, they don't value what's being said. They will not receive it. They'll not listen. A man shall eat good by the fruit of his mouth, but the soul of the transgressors shall eat violence. Think of that. There is a way which seemeth right unto man, but you've got to read the word of God and understand that if it's a right way, then good ultimately will come and prevail, but if it's wrong, then the negative consequence of that will ultimately catch up and prevail. And so... We read in verse 3, He that keepeth his mouth keepeth, keepeth his life, but he that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. Now I want you to underline the word destruction here. The word destruction means to be ruined, dissolved. People think that they are gathering themselves, as it were, strengthening themselves in their defiance toward God, their open rebellion against the Lord. They think that that's an act or a show of strength when it's exactly opposite of that. He that openeth wide his lips, they're just saying whatever to say whatever. Some people have something to say, it's been said, and some people just feel like they need to say something. I think it's interesting with the Queen of England and of course with her passing recently I've just read about that and some of the things that she's said or commented on I went back to listen to her address very brief this past Christmas and as she commented on the loss of her husband Philip and, and the first Christmas without him after all those years she was very precise, very to the point her words had weight Sometimes our words use or lose the weight they could have because we use too many words. The Bible says, let thy words be few. Because in the multitude of words, there wanteth not or lacketh not folly. The more you talk and the more you feel like you have to say all the time, the more likely it is that you're going to err. You're going to say something that doesn't need to be said or in the time or in the way uh, it is being said, 
or, or just something that you're misreading, misrepresenting altogether, and yet you're commenting on it without any thought, without any kind of understanding as to what is really going on or even being said. He that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. The soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. There are those who want a lot of things. The word desire here has the thought of to wish for. The soul of the slugger wishes for a lot, but they don't have much because they won't do anything with what they already have. They don't value where they are. They don't value what God has given. They think that everything that will advantage them in life is just a product of wishful thinking, hopeful thinking, luck. Maybe it'll be handed to me at some point. But there's a lot of things that aren't handed to us in and of themselves at the expense of seeing what really is given to us, handed to us from God, health, strength, ability, opportunity to do something with it, to make the most of it, to develop something that God has entrusted us with and make the most out of it. Now, there's a lot of things that could be said just as a commentary running through this passage here in Proverbs chapter 13. But notice what you read in verse 13. Whoso despiseth the word shall be destroyed. There's this theme again. See, it's important the way we respond and relate to God and other people. There be people who have the right influence in our lives and those who won't. There are some people that really appear to have a good influence. Now, you've got to be careful. Religion is Satan's attempt to bring something that seems so right, right up alongside the truth that if you're not discerning, you will miss it and you'll get caught up in a snare. I think a lot of times that's where people who are church people, people that are trying to raise children in the house of the Lord and for the Lord, they miss some things because they fail to realize that the devil's not just trying to get our children out in the world. He's trying to bring someone alongside of them within the church itself and uh, lead them, influence them even away from God. I was reading where one pastor wrote this to his son. It's not only the one doing wrong that gets into trouble, it is also those who refuse to separate from the one doing wrong that get into trouble as well. Wise people foresee foolishness in, in others before they get involved too deeply with them. They also see the wisdom in wise people and gravitate toward the wise. Be careful, a fool has a light heart, a winsome smile, and a convincing way of dragging simple people down with him. There are far too many people in prison, in the hospital, in the morgue, in many other places you never want to be who were too simple-minded about the people they spent time with. Listen to God's wisdom when it comes to your associations. Do not let a fool's folly define and ruin your future. Walk with wise people and learn the lessons early. Because God is warning here against destruction. The word destroyed here in verse 13 is the word to bind. Whoso despiseth the word shall be destroyed. They will be bound up. They think it's freedom. 
I'm going to reject God. I'm going to reject his authority over my life. I mean, the Bible, what is that? I don't need that. I'm not going to listen to that. And so I'm going to be free. But in their supposed pursuit of freedom, they go down the path of greater bondage. Amazing, isn't it? Light rejected is light lost. And so you come down to verse 20 and you read, he that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. There it is again. The word destroyed here has the thought of to mar by breaking. There are certain things that God wants to strengthen, to develop in our lives, to, to polish even, to cause to shine. But the devil, he wants to do the exact opposite. He wants to break things down, break them apart, and take away their shine. He wants to scar and mar those things in our lives. Our thoughts, our emotions, our relationships, our hopes and dreams of tomorrow, diminishing them, dimming them in our thinking. We come to the place to where it's like, well... What's the use? Why try? Who cares? Eat, drink, and be merry. I'll just live for the day without thought of how my decisions today will affect my life tomorrow. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise. There's something to be said about Casting your lot among those who are trying to follow God. Being a friend of those who are a friend of God. I made up my mind years ago that I would not be a close friend to someone that was not a friend of God. That doesn't mean I couldn't befriend someone or be friendly toward them. But I wouldn't make them my intimate associate in life. Someone that was so close to me that I, I told them everything. I did everything with them, went everywhere with them. That's what we do a lot of times with friends, especially when we're younger. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise. As been said, show me your friends and I'll show you your what? Your future. It's also been said that five years from now will be the sum total of the five people that influenced and impacted our lives the most. So who, are, who is your close circle? Who are those that you listen to, that you fellowship with, that you spend time with? Are they pointing you toward God or away from God? That's something you have to be honest with in your heart before the Lord. Because a companion of fools, think about that, a companion. The people we hang with, we run with, we laugh with, we just think, oh man, we're just such good buddies, we're just such good friends, we just don't see it coming. We miss it. A companion of fools, a fool in the Bible is one who has rejected God, who lives as though God doesn't exist. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. So, I'm not worried about accountability. I'm not worried about all these things of right and wrong and, and tomorrow, my future, and some kind of purpose for my life, much less eternity. I'm not thinking about those things. I'm just thinking about my life, myself, what's before me, what I want. I'm just going to do what I want to do and make the most of it. 
A fool lives like there's no God, there's no tomorrow, there's no accountability, there's no re real reason for them being here. That's why a lot of times you see young people throwing their lives away with drugs and alcohol. It's like they could look at it and they could say, ah, boy, if I get caught up in this, I could miss out on what God has for my life. Or they could say, well, I'm not even thinking about God or him having a reason for me being here. I'm just here to live my life, do my thing, let me try it. I want to tell you, there's something about putting the fear of God in our young people that should help steady them when temptation comes. And it will come. And mom and dad won't always be there. We, we can't be there. 24-7 in their lives as they grow up and as they move on and, and move out and get on their own, they're going to have to make decisions themselves. And so when temptation comes, may the Lord bring this to their mind that, hey, what about my future? Remember, Joseph, it's not just about my future, but what about my God? How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? I'm going to sin against God here. The God who made me, the God who put me here and has a reason for my life and has a future for me and has blessings that he wants to give to me in the days ahead. That's no doubt where Joseph was coming from. Lord, I do believe in you. Lord, I do love you. Lord, I do want to serve you. Yes, I'm human. Yes, I'm tempted here. Yes, I know I could choose to yield, but I don't want to, Lord, help me. And so he left it. He got away from it. The Bible says, flee temptation. Flee youthful lust. I preached a message years ago as a young preacher, it's better to have fleas than to scratch in vain. Where did that come from, right? It's like we're trying to serve God and act like we're serving God, but we're not uh, leaving behind the temptations of this world. And it's better to have fleas, you know, flee these things that God says. Flee fornication, flee youthful lust, flee temptation, flee these things. Get away from them because we can play the part on the one hand, but if we're not separating ourselves unto the Lord from those things that could defile and even rob us, destroy us. This is the word here, destruction. If we're not separating from those things, then we're playing with fire. And we all know, especially us adults, that if you play with it long enough, you will get burned. And so, so he says here, a companion of fools shall be destroyed to mar by breaking. You read in verse 21, evil pursueth sinners, but to the righteous good shall be repaid. See, there, there's an end in sight. Our decisions lead us down two different paths, the blessing of God or the consequences and the judgments of sin. Sin oftentimes in its consequence is a judgment in and of itself. A good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. Much food is in the tillage of the poor, but there is that is destroyed for want of judgment. Think about that. Much food is in the cupboard, in the, in the storing place, the gathering place of the poor, the one who will work, the one who will labor, the one who will just do the best that they can. The thought here, the tillage too, is, is 
what it took to get, to get that food, to plow the field, the thought being freshly plowed, the land that's before them, they worked it. And in all labor, there's profit. They got food and they were able to store it. How many of you have been around grandparents that did some canning when you were younger? Is there anyone here who can still do some canning? All right. Green beans, uh, tomatoes. I've seen all kinds of things uh, canned, and I've been there with my grandparents. I love those homemade pickles that uh, my grandma used to make and all the different things. But they would put it up for the winter. They'd put it back. They'd work hard, and they would gather it, and then they would store it. That's the thought here. Much food is in the tillage of the poor, that which he has worked in the field and developed and grown and then harvested and then somehow put back for the winter, for another day. There's plenty there, but there is that is destroyed for want of judgment. The Bible talks about how uh, a wise man, he, he keeps and holds on to things and is discreet, discerning in his stewardship of what God blesses him with and the work of his hands. But then there are those who just spend it before they even get it. A foolish man spendeth it up. He can never have enough, never have enough. I need this, need this, let's get this, let's get that, let's do here, let's go there, let's spin, 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 spin. The Bible says that's folly, that's foolishness. That's making decisions without any regard to God, to what's right, to what's wise, to what is thinking ahead, preparing, putting back. We have to be careful there. The word destroyed here in verse 23, but there is that that is destroyed for one of judgment. See, they don't see that God has given them something to work, to deal with, to do with to take care of, to attend to, to apply themselves toward, to uh, not only put forth the effort, but then to gather that which God gives them. They're not thinking like that. And I, I think about how so many young people in this generation, God bless them, they're growing up in a, in a land of abundance and, and so many needs are readily provided. And it's hard for them to think of life being any other thing than you just live and, and it's there, what you need, or oftentimes beyond that, what you want. And I think about the value, the wisdom of working, of having to apply oneself to put back to save toward, to work toward, to pay your own way in life and learn the value of that. Oftentimes we don't see that. I'll tell you one thing I've learned. I've learned that people who've not had to work very hard for what they have not only expect it, oftentimes are not appreciative of it, but cannot appreciate nor value someone else's hard work either because they don't know what hard work is. But I have found those who've actually applied themselves and worked hard, they not only appreciate what they have, but they can see it in others and commend that in others. Well, you've worked hard. Well, it's taken a lot to obviously put this together or to get this done or to come to this place. I respect that and commend you for it. Some young people are going to go through life thinking, 
What's wrong with my car? Why am I broken down on the side of the road? What is that oil light about? What does that mean? And some of them were told and told, but they thought, no, the car's supposed to run. When you get in, you crank it up and it goes. That's it. There's nothing else that you have to deal with, right? It's just supposed to go and keep going and keep going and keep going. They think that's what life is. But that's not what life is. Life takes effort. Life takes work. It takes toil. It takes, at times, self-denial, delayed gratification. It takes planning ahead. It takes making wise choices between what I want and what I need. Or maybe scaling things back at times and saying, well, I'd really like to have thus and such, but maybe that's for another time. This is more reasonable and more practical for where I am at right here and right now. And all of that is something that you have to learn. When I was a young uh, married man, I remember hearing people say things like this. Oftentimes, a young couple gets married, and they want instantly what it took their mom and dad 30 years to gather. You've heard that statement, many of us. And they think, well, that's the way it is. It's all going to be there. I'm going to have everything just like my parents have and like others have. And, and in this social media day, it seems like that spirit is promoted. It's just things, 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 things. Look at here. Look at me and look what I have. And, and it's like, well, I've got to have this and that. And the Bible says that our life does not consist of the abundance of the things that we have, that we possess. Our life has to be built on a greater foundation than that because see those who look at life that way, oftentimes they are lacking judgment, they are lacking understanding and they go down a path that ultimately betrays them and the Bible says here they're destroyed. The word is diminished. They're scattered. They could be gathering. They could be building something, but they're using things up as it comes, sometimes before it even comes. And the next thing you know is just like Margaret Thatcher said about socialism. The only problem with socialism is at some point you eventually run out of other people's money to give away. People are conditioned in this day to just think that government is the end-all, cure-all, the source of everything that we need. It will figure it out. I want to tell you, even Ronald Reagan said that oftentimes it was exactly opposite of that. What the American public needed is for the government to get out of the way and let them work hard and let them produce and let them have and keep more of the fruit of their labor. Isn't that right? Oh, it's amazing. I think he also was the one who said that some of the scariest words you'll ever hear in your life is when someone knocks on your door and you go and you open up, they said, I'm here from the government and I'm here to help. Any of you heard something like that? He said, those are the scariest words you'll ever hear in your life. I'm here to help. May the Lord help us, Right? Because we're raised in a generation that is dependent on everyone else and they're not learning the value, the power, the blessing of self-determination. You work, you get rewarded. 
You save, you sacrifice, you put back, you plan ahead, and the reward will come. So many who have immigrated to America, that's what they say. I came here because I was told that if you would go there and work hard, get an education, apply yourself, you could go anywhere, you could do anything, you could uh, gather however much you wanted if you're willing to apply yourself. Oh, we need that taught in this day. Don't you agree? You remember the boys I mentioned this morning, Hophni and Phineas? They were in the house of the Lord. Can you imagine that? Their dad was Eli. And he was charged by God to lead the way in the Lord's house. And he failed to lead, to even attempt to lead his children, his sons as he should. The Bible talks about those who were losing heart because of them. They were sinning and it seemed like they were just getting by time and again. And it was grievous sin. Open, known sin in the house of the Lord. And my point to you is this. Look back in closing to Proverbs chapter 5. The Bible's warning against immorality. And he's talking about the young man who will not listen. The one who will ultimately surrender so much, verse 9, lest thou give thine honor unto others and thy years unto the cruel. See, there's a, there's a net loss when we leave God out of not only our decisions about life and where we go, but about relationships and who our close companions become and those whom we pursue. He says, Lest strangers be filled with thy wealth and thy labors be in the house of a stranger and thou mourn at the last, underline it, at the last, when thy flesh and thy body are consumed and say, how have I hated instruction and my heart despised reproof and have not obeyed the voice of my teachers nor inclined mine ear to them that instructed me. I was almost in all evil in the midst of the congregation and assembly. I was right there in the house of God with the people of God and right there in that place I was so close to sinning. Don't think it's just way out there. If anything, we have an adversary that's working within because he knows that's where sin originates. It's not just in a sanitized environment but it's in a contaminated heart that we all have. That's where he thrives. And if we teach our children that it's all about just a sanitized outward environment, oh, we're missing it in ways we don't even realize. That has its place. That's important. He that walketh with wise men is wise. Yes, that, that's very important in that regard. But being separated unto the Lord is not about isolation. It's not about just a communal type living and keeping ourselves among ourselves and away from interaction with anyone else. It's not about isolation. It's about insulation, preparing them to make wise decisions when temptations will come in life, and they will come. And be careful for those who put an overemphasis on isolation. I've seen that. And by the way, our children, again, they're sinners within, Right? If you don't dwell on that, you'll try every way you can. And I've seen this. 
I'm thinking of a family right now. God knows they tried in every way, every way to keep their children from certain things. And yet, those things somehow were accessed. You know what? Sorrow comes. Trouble comes. We better put a greater emphasis on teaching our children to think biblically and to know that they're accountable to God because, hey, it is your life ultimately. You have decisions to make. All I'm trying to do is help you to make wise decisions because you're going to have to live with the fruit of those decisions all your days. Are you listening, young people? God cautions us. A word to the wise is what? Sufficient. That theme of destruction in chapter 13, to be ruined or dissolved, to be bound, to be marred by breaking, to be diminished or scattered. There's so much that could have come together for your future, but yet you squandered it. You scattered it. You wasted it. May the Lord help us tonight. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Wisdom, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge as well, Proverbs says here. And so, just know tonight, mom and dad, young people, there is a God in heaven. There is a way that's right. There's a way that's wrong. There are those who will encourage you toward the right. There are those who will encourage you toward the wrong. He says in Proverbs chapter 1, My son, my son when sinners entice thee, consent thou not. Just say, no, I'm not going to do that. No, I don't. Hey, try this. Try this. Man, this would be amazing. Try this. No, no, no. If I try that, that could rob me of my future. I remember that years ago. There's no doubt there was a God consciousness placed in my heart as a young boy. We were in church as a family. We were prayed for. And then things came totally unraveled in our lives. And our home basically became like a drug house. People coming and going, drinking and drugging. I mean, there's uh, liquor in the refrigerator. There were pills on the windowsill. There was uh, marijuana and things that people would come and smoke. It was all around our house. That's just the way we lived. And I'll never forget someone just telling me one evening, and there was, there's so much opportunity there in my home, in my home. And I'll never forget someone just looking at me and saying, hey, why don't you try this? You want some of these pills? And I went, ah, no. And then they, they held this up to my lips and said, come on, take just one puff, just one. And here's what I said. I want to be able to tell my children one day that I didn't go that route. I'm not better than anybody, but I don't want to do that. I thank God that somehow he had put a respect for him and my future in my heart. And they're like, oh, you know, you're square. I mean, that was a pretty big insult in the day. Isn't that right? You remember that? Me, square? I'm not square. I'll show you. 
You understand. But it's like, hey, I don't care what you say, and I don't care what you call me. It's my life, it's my choice, it's my future in the balance here, and I'm not going to do that. Young people, is going to come a point to where you're going to have some decisions to make. Now, if you want to get caught up in what's on so many times being promoted online and on social media and people enticing you and trying to pull you away from God and that church or uh, those people or your mom and dad and, you know, they're just trying to hold out on you and, and uh, keep you from having a really good... If you want to believe the lie of the one who doesn't love you in any realm, in any way, like your own parents do, one day, you're going to realize that. Someone said it this way. About the time your son realizes that you were right after all about some things, he'll have a son wondering if he's right about some things. <laughs> I thought, well, that sounds true, doesn't it? Somewhere along the line, we've got to heed the word of God. And may the Lord plant this seed in your heart tonight. I don't want to go down the path of destruction. I want to do what's right. I want God to help me. And by the way, I'm glad that even if we have gone down the path and tried certain things, done certain things, experimented with certain things, there's a God in heaven who will forgive us. And we can start all over. Isn't that wonderful? Thank God for that. We're not defined by our past. We're defined by his righteousness, his forgiveness, and the cleansing of the blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to The Shining Light. We pray that this time has been a time of encouragement and blessing to you. The Shining Light is a production of Shining Light Baptist Church, located at 2541 Old Charlotte Highway in Monroe, North Carolina. If you don't have a church home, we invite you to join us. Service times and more information can be found at our website, www.shininglightmonroe.com. You can also watch our services on Facebook and YouTube and connect with us on social media. Thank you for joining us, and God bless.